Hello and welcome to episode 51 of the VSIG podcast. Summer is finally officially over and we're into the season of conferences, otherwise known as October. Bad for the soles of your feet, but great if you sell hangover cures. Keeping us company on this show is none other than Frank Deniman, blogger, author and tech evangelist for a software company I once called Chocolate Sprinkles. Hi Frank. <laughs> Hi guys. How's it going? I'm doing well, uh, like... Uh, Chris said, it's the season of um, shows, so I'm preparing for the next show, uh, the one in Barcelona, VMworld. I'm looking forward to it, so yeah, it's going to be a hectic... actually catch you, catch you in, uh, at home for a very uh, very short time in between trips trips across the States. Yeah, so I introduced myself to my girlfriend and my kids uh, this week, <laughs> and, uh, they're almost comfortable, so I, I that means I need to get out again. <laughs> They're almost comfortable with you being there, and yeah. they, know, they know who you are now. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Well, that sounds good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, which is like, one of the reasons I don't, I don't want a job like that. I I, I couldn't manage that stuff. So, uh, I, I'm pretty. I, I I find it strange that people actually manage to work like that. So I'm happy someone does, but it wouldn't be me. I think there are definitely a few relationships that actually benefit from only seeing each other maybe two days a month. <laughs> <laughs> Care to elaborate? Elaborate that, Chris? <laughs> yeah, you know, you you basically kind of like you see them long enough that you're really happy. It's like having that honeymoon period every month. Then, like you know, by day four, they're starting to cramp your space a bit, and you've got to get back out again. <laughs> of course, this is not my my relationship. I love my wife, and I love being home every moment I can. Um, oh, she's still listening, is she? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah she'll be she'll be downstairs. She'll, she'll be listening in on this, and I'll, I'll get a really really stern text message at some point. <laughs> but I think actually, it's no, it's probably uh, almost worse. Even if you work at home, but work like weird hours. So if you, I mean, okay, as uh, as techies, we we often work some pretty strange hours. But imagine trying to work night shifts um, when you know you might well see. As you're going, you're, you know, you're going home and going to bed, maybe having like a beer with when everyone else is having breakfast, um, and then you're off to bed, and that's the last they see of you for like the rest of the day. So I used to do like seven nights in a row, and it was horrible because basically you just lived an alternate existence from anyone, with no real contact from sane human beings. <laughs> Working in the knock or something? Uh, yeah, I was doing. I was my very first tech job. I, I did uh, night shift help desk for a, a small outsourcer. And uh, our primary people that would phone up it would be uh, Gillette field salesmen. Uh, <laughs> so these guys who sell razors for a living and have been given a brand new laptop and a secure ID card and um, a VPN, and they had no idea what it was. So I learned to hate Concur from an early age. <laughs> <laughs> there, there's a lot of IT professionals that basically should work those hours, I guess. Which, which yeah. they wouldn't yeah, have. It just it, it keeps them away from the rest of the world. Which, yeah, yeah, from the general population, which is a good thing. So. <laughs> it's kind of like Ebola in a way. <laughs> <laughs> Did you see? I, I saw very briefly uh, on the, the paper on the way home that there's there's this dog that's got Ebola, and they've got the dog in like an isolation suit. So it's really like sort of the dog in the bubble, um, which seems. Uh, I'm amazed that someone managed to knock an isolation suit up for a dog already. Or is there somewhere with a catalogue that's like, yeah, okay, um, we sell isolation suits for everything. And I had no idea dogs could actually get Ebola. 
it's the next thing. Yeah, yeah, it's kind of strange. Yeah. Well, anyway. let's let's try to figure out: Does a human get Ebola from any way that the dog produces anything? Because if you know how to get Ebola, yeah, that's the weirdest thing, right? So, from a, a, a dog getting Ebola from a human, I can I can figure that one out, right? But the other way around, what? <laughs> what type of sick people are we talking about here, right? We're going to need more than isolation suits here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. This, this, this took a really strange turn. Yeah, right at the beginning too. So. Yeah, that's possibly like the the. the the uh, the fastest weirdest we've got. <laughs> oh, and I'm in the honor of that one, of course. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah, thanks. <laughs> so yeah, uh, ch- change your subject completely, and they give milestones. Um, Frank, some con- congrats are in order for oh, his, uh, a big milestone on on the book. Yeah. Um, so that's that's completely self published, isn't it? You didn't have sort of. Any of the uh, the big sort of book companies that normally kind of run these things, they it was just yourself and Duncan, is it? Yeah. So um, um, <clears throat> when we started off, we I think we got the idea when we were in London for like six months working on uh, one of the first cloud engagements for VMware, and we had a discussion about why are almost every tech book just a collection of click next next finish. And that's it, right? No, there's no book, or we couldn't find a book that was that provided really insight of when you click that particular option, when you do a particular thing, this happens in the background. So we started discussing it, and we said, okay, let's write a book. So then we had a discussion like, okay, so who's crazy to actually support us in, in that? And, and Duncan came up with, let's do self-publishing then. So... Maybe naive as we were at, <laughs> back then, we said, okay, let's do this. Well, to, to write a book on self-publishing, I think it's an amazing journey and it's, it's, it's really um, educational, uh, but it takes a long time because there's nobody who, who helps you, right? And the moment you publish it, that's it. There's no editor involved. There's no guy who understands how to actually create a book that is um, somehow, somehow um, well, printable in the first place. So to give you an idea, it took me six weeks to get the print version in shape to actually call it a book. That's not written, writing any content. That's just basically six weeks, full days of figuring out how to get that book in shape. And I don't even want to talk about what Duncan did when we did the ebook because he took uh, he took it up on himself to to create the ebook, right? But overall, um, we are very happy with the results and um, getting that self published. Yeah, I think that was a, that was an amazing uh, feat. So yeah, and then to discover that you that you sold forty five thousand books, yeah, that's crazy. And is it a yeah, really for, big... for a tech book? It's that's a, a pretty. Um, it's had a long lifetime. I mean, uh, obviously you, you've updated it through sort of you know the the various major releases. But normally, you know, the, these tech books, yeah, people will buy them once, maybe buy them to do an exam. Whereas um, yours, you know, if it's not on the desk of anyone that is serious about uh, their, you know, being a, a, a VMware admin, then you know it's quite a surprising thing. 
Well, that's a big compliment. Thanks. And is it a big, uh, big buy-in to get started, like a big investment, or, uh, or kind of pay as you go along, or as you produce them, or? Well, it's print on demand, so that means you don't have any risk involved. You start a project with uh, we use CreateSpace for this, but there's other uh, such as Lulu. Uh, you just buy, you just create a project. You need to pay some some money, but that's that's nothing. And then basically every book that's being bought is being published on the uh, or printed on the spot. So there's no no extra risk involved. That's the reason why we did it as well. Because and uh, I wrote this uh, in the article today. We had a bet, and I was I wasn't even expecting a hundred books to be sold because I thought. Who's really interested in, in understanding how the algorithm of DRS works, right? There are, if there are 100 people in this world, wow, that's, that's, that's more than enough. And Duncan was a little bit more ambitious and he said, well, I think 400. So if you want to talk to a publisher and say, no, nah, I think we can sell 400 books, well, that doesn't make, there's no, no benefit from them, right? So, yeah. have, you, have you published anything through uh, one of the publishing houses out there or, or is any, the projects you worked on all all been self-publishing stuff. So what we did for Veeam, um, we uh, used a uh, Dutch publisher to print an extra set of books for Veeam. Um, oh yeah, we did those as uh, giveaways, didn't we? Yeah, yeah. So um, I had to change the entire format of the book to actually get it through a printing press instead of a printer. Uh, I will never do that ever again. <laughs> I still got one um, um, one plate that was used by the printer itself to print the books as a um, um, as a uh, memorabilia. Uh, but yeah, I will. Uh, no, I will never do it again. That's a cool cool thing to have up on the wall, actually. Yeah. Well, the thing is actually pretty big. It's a uh, it's an A1. Um, it's a metal sheet. Uh, yeah, that's a one. pretty big piece of paper. Yeah. Well, it's metal sheet, so um, you just don't hang it on the wall. It just actually stands in the way in my office. <laughs> <laughs> so it's the biggest uh, paper press in the world, I, I believe. <laughs> cool. But but you have you haven't worked on uh, publishing any titles except for the self-published stuff. Uh, n no, not directly. The only thing that I did was um, I, I created a project, the vSphere Pocketbook, um, and that was not something I did for myself, but I did for the community. Uh, I wanted to create a platform where other people could share their knowledge, right? And it started off with uh, with the, the tweet size book, the tweet size Pocketbook, because I saw a lot of um, very I saw a lot of tips uh, in my Twitter stream, and I thought that's very interesting. And why don't we start bundling them in in a book, right? And not everybody ha has a blog site, and some of the the guys I follow on Twitter they have a blog site, but it's very difficult to find it, or it's not as popular. So it's really difficult to find it in the search results of Google. Now, but they have a lot of knowledge, right? Uh, and they share that knowledge via Twitter or via any other social media um, outlet. So I thought, let's let's create a book and and bundle all, all those things. Now, 140 characters is a bit short, so I 
I, 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 I made it a little bit bigger, 200 characters. Now, when we, when we published it and Punix Data was so, uh, so uh, nice uh, to take on the cost of, 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 of printing uh, those things, um, it was very popular and we, I think we distributed more over 7,000 copies of that book alone. Um, but what I heard from a lot of people was actually, um, it's, a li- it's a little bit on the light side. And I thought it was really strange to actually get that comment because, hey, it's a tweet-sized book. What do you expect from uh, 200 characters, right? It's like the little book of V-Sphere, really, isn't it? Yeah. Have I mean, you ever heard of the little book of Calm? You know, yeah. <laughs> every round of eight, just like open a page, read it, in- inwardly digest. Yeah, I think it comes close to Jason Balky's uh, calendar. Mm. Uh, he did that a, a while ago. I did that a couple of years ago. And... Um, um, yeah, I think I think it was a was a was a good idea, but due to the feedback that I got from, well, it's a little bit light. I started thinking, why? Well, why don't we use the same platform to allow people to publish an article, right? Something they are very proud of, something they think is very useful for the community, and incorporate that into a book. So the the second version it was the um, it's still a pocket size, but was the blog edition and. Um, a lot of people uh, provided me content for the book, so it was really difficult to, to figure out which uh, which article to choose because at one point you need to cut, otherwise the book will be like 800 pages. And yeah, you don't that that's not a pocketbook anymore, right? <laughs> so yeah, no, I think the second one is really good. Um, but then again, I'm I'm not biased at all since I have a chapter in there. But so which page are you, uh, Christian? <laughs> 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 I, uh, I, those books are good, but but the the the, the question I I, I kind of wanted to ask you was that you so you haven't really worked with a publishing company except for stuff you've created on your own, or you haven't had editors and a publishing house in your at your back trying to sell your book for you. No, never. Exactly, because I, I, I wrote a book, uh, uh, the Veeam book I wrote, yeah. uh, I was with, with Pact. Okay. And um, while I initially thought that was a good idea, and I, I, I guess it's still, I, I still do, but I, I'm starting to question the value of having a company like Pact uh, in the loop at all, because it kind of feels like I did all the work, including writing the content, marketing, getting hold of people to review it uh, beforehand and afterwards and everything. Yeah. And, I, and so I'm kind of questioning why or should we use publishing companies at all, given, the, given that my experience is, is with Pact only and only them. So I, I don't know how this works with other companies, but I, I'm, I'm kind of feeling that whatever they did in this process is, is, isn't, can't be worth that much in a way. Yeah, well, I understand what you're saying. And so we had a lot of offers when we had uh, the, the the second one published, or actually we had a offer after the first one, and so we got noticed. Uh, one of the uh, things that we were noticed about was we sold more books of um, the 5.0. No, so we got first noticed at 5.0 and our book, the 5.0 uh, book, sold more books in at the VMworld bookstore than all the books combined, 
right? Mm. So yeah, that was a, a red flag for most publishing companies. But when we discussed it, we had to um, align to their schedule and to their publishers and to their editors and, and whatever. Mm. And we were like, no, we write the book and we publish it on the date of the release of the software. So uh, we should do this the other way around, right? If you want to publish our books, um, you need to make sure that you provide us a service, right? It's not the other way around here, right? Yeah. And they couldn't understand that at all. Yeah, but you don't understand how this works in the publishing comp in this publishing world. And we had the idea of then, well, we might not understand it, but we do understand how to cater our market, right? And I think that's the crucial part. And like like you said, with finding yourself a good tech editor and a, a, a content reviewer, that is key for a good book. Because the last thing you want to do is write content and then have somebody change your, your content uh, without understanding the, uh, the 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 essence that you're trying to 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 convey. Yeah, yeah. That that's been kind of the thing with uh, the, the second thing I've had uh, uh, an ongoing discussion with uh, with Pact regarding is that they seem to keep contacting me to do editorial reviews or do tech reviews of their upcoming titles. Yeah, and if I if I'm I'm kind of configured in a way that makes me, if I want to do something like that, if I say yes to do something like that, I want to do it properly. I want to do it, I want to do a good job with it. If, if I don't, I don't want to do it in, in the first place. So if I first commit myself to doing something like that, it's going to be pretty time consuming Yeah, uh, because I want to do a good job. And the, the current policy that Pact has is that, well... You get your name in the book, and you get a co print copy of it, and oh, yeah. Yeah, throw in a free ebook as well, and that's it. Yeah. And when they contacted me for reviewing three books in two weeks, that kind of set off a red flag. So currently, I'm having a quite heated discussion with the CEO of Pact on email uh, with regards to their policies and how they treat the reviewers. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> interesting that, that, how that looks. Yeah, one book that cost, uh, that doesn't cover the cost of the effort you're you're making and the impact it has on not only your 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 uh, well not only your social life but also from your family as well, of course, right? Yeah, sure. Uh, and it, I mean, the first time that I was contacted about doing a review, it was really cool. You know, it's a it's it's a it's a it's a recognition of who you are. You know, you get an email from someone and hey, you want to help us do this? And I yeah. said yes, but then again. And I hadn't done it before, and the second and third and fourth and fifth time, I was just thinking, well, why should I keep providing this service for them for free? Yeah, it doesn't doesn't make any sense. If it, if the book was written by someone I know and respect, I might do that as a favor for that person, yeah. but I won't do it as a favor for a publishing company who whose whole mission is to publish as many books on a given subject as possible. That doesn't make any sense to me. Uh, I know what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. yeah they're kind of counting on the fact that you want like the glory, you know. And I'm sure there's 20 other people behind you uh, ready to do that as well. Yeah, probably. I was one of them at one point, so sure. But I, I don't, that doesn't make it right anyway. So I w we'll see how that how that works out, uh, how the discussion uh, with them works out. But I'm having some 
some issues with how they do their stuff, at least when they repeatedly keep asking you to do the same job over and over. Hey, so and let's let's regardless of what happened with uh, with your publisher, yeah. uh, do you want to? Uh, are you planning to write a book again? Um, I might. I don't know. I, it didn't scare me off doing it the first okay. time, which is why I was also asking you about how much. That's kind of the thing. How much does uh, a publishing company actually help you? And I wanted to know if you had any experience co comparing the two. But since you've done everything on your own, you you really don't don't. So, well, so the 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 pocket book. Um, I had help from John Atterbury. That's uh, one of our marketing guys who did a tremendous job on 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 on, on the layout and and uh, figuring out how to do everything. Right, so I just dumped the content onto him. So that's basically we did self we did it self published as well, but he took a lot of load off me, and I'm very grateful that he did. Uh, and he did, like I said, a tremendous job. So props to John on, on that one. So I I I I do understand that if you have somebody who's that brilliant, that can save you a lot of time, right? But here's the thing, and maybe that's me, but. I need to make. I need to trust the guy. I need to trust somebody for handing some stuff, um, uh, some stuff off, right? Because eventually, it's my name on that product, and the last thing I want to do is hand something off and, and not being able to control it, and then having a shitty a shitty product, right? Mm, exactly. Um, so, if you can create your own team around you that helps you, perfect. Do that, but. The moment when you have trust issues, I think it's you're better off to do self-publishing. Yeah, I, I ended up actually slashing content from the Veeam book just because there was a set limit on the number of pages that we oh. estimated on the, in the start of the project, which makes me feel that the book is worth less than it could have. But there was a, the page number was kind of set in stone. So I had to actually remove content that I had written because because the publishing company didn't didn't want to publish a book that was fifty pages more than we initially agreed on, and issues like that kind of makes me wonder why why should I use a publishing company at all if yeah. I could do that on my own? But the other thing is, if you don't have a publishing company, you have to have some serious uh, uh, self control. And, and be able to push yourselves to actually meeting your own kind of internal deadlines because if you don't have that, it's really easy for a project like that to just slip out and, and, and take forever to finish. Yeah, too. Um, Self-discipline is always uh, necessary. Uh, maybe it's helpful that you write it with somebody else so you can uh, keep your both in check. That's mm -hmm. what we did. That's what Duncan and I, I did. Well, so uh, Duncan had his, had uh, wrote the HA part. I wrote the uh, the US part in the first book. Um, so we um, we informed each other um, um, what the progress was of the book, right? And so in the, the second book, we actually created a schedule saying, okay, we need to fin finalize this, and this is the perceived date that we're going to release. So it takes roughly six to eight weeks to form, format it, uh, doing some other stuff. And so that helped a lot. And 
because you have external um, reviewers. So we had a, a couple of uh, engineers and a couple of other guys that we trusted to show the content. Uh, they were all VMware employees because it was all NDA stuff, of course. We needed to make sure that it was aligning. It, it aligned with their schedule as well, right? So we couldn't ask them for, hey, review my uh, my my uh, my chapter and then don't and don't provide it, right? That's not good form. So uh, guys like Doc Bear um, and uh, Greg, they they did a tremendous job of reviewing the stuff. Uh, so I think that helps as well. The moment you um, you make some sort of well agreement with somebody, well, you have to live up with, uh, uh, on that as well, right? Yeah, and, and, and you'll end up in a big, giant echo chamber if you sit and write everything on your own anyway and just publish oh, yeah. it without having anyone review it or anyone look at it before you publish it. That's right. got to be a recipe for disaster anyway. I, will, I would probably write myself into a corner I could never get out of if I did that. So, Well, well yeah, and that's the other thing, right? Uh, understand your scope as well. So we had a lot of discussion about how deep are we going, right? It's called a deep dive, but... How far does the rabbit hole go, right? And um, we actually we actually removed a lot of content in the first book due to the fact that it was basically too technical. Um, did you ever want to release like the hardcore edition? Uh-huh. Like, um, I'm just having DRS deep dive. <laughs> hey, on DRS deep dive director's cut. Yeah. yeah, we could have, but let's not go into that one. <laughs> so, so to give you an idea, and I think. Um, I, I, well, I'm very proud of that 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 um, that accomplishment. Uh, the book is used inside the uh, DRS uh, research and development team um, as standard reading. So when a uh, new engineer comes in or when a uh, intern comes in, they have to read the book first before they can ask questions to the uh, to the engineers of the team itself. So. That means there's a lot, there's enough detailed content in the book, right? Yeah, yeah. If if that's the starting point for everyone working, yeah, at, even the engineers. That's pretty pretty awesome. Yeah. So um, no, no wonder I have problems understanding all of it. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's just my bad writing. That's uh, 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 it. <laughs> I'm, I'm pretty sure it's not. <laughs> It's uh, it's one of the uh, the more technically advanced books I've ever read, to be honest. So it's uh, I've I've read several copies of it and several ver- versions of it as well without firmly grasping everything in it. So okay. it's, it's it's always something you can kind of go back to again and, and read again. But are you guys pre- preparing an upgrade for six as well, or is that not something you've discussed or willing to discuss or whatever? I'm willing to discuss everything, of course. Um, <laughs> but so here's the thing, right? Um, without saying what the number is, um, I don't work at VMware anymore. Uh, yeah. Meaning that if we want to publish it, um, uh, I need to have some insights on certain things. Mm. Um, I can do a reverse engineer. Uh, that's what we did in the four one book. We reverse engineered everything because we didn't have the. Um, the uh, the uh, the research and development background back then, but for me, I don't have the time to do. Re- I don't have the time to reverse engineer st- uh, stuff in VMotion and DRS for 6.0. Um, 
my life is too busy. Like I said, I need to, I need to say hi to my girlfriend and my kids, uh, or introduce myself, um, every time. So I don't, I don't see myself doing that. So I need to have some, 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 uh, some, um, entrance into uh, R and D. Mm -hmm. So that's what we are discussing right now. Um, if that's possible and what the level is and, and if we can help, uh, attract some help from external or whatever. Um, do we have the time for it? I don't know. Um, Duncan just um, announced he uh, moved into a different department at VMware. Uh, at VMware. Mm. Um, we're, we're, uh, we're just released the 2.0 version of FTP, so we're extremely busy. But there's so much uh, request of the new book or for the new version, let's call it 6.0 book, right? Uh, that yeah, we're 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 discussing it. Ah, okay. Yeah. So it's a it's a matter of finding access and finding time, and then then you might consider doing an upgraded uh, updated version as well. I think yeah, I think I would love to do another book uh, uh, for this because although I'm I, I'm not working at uh, VMware anymore, uh, it's still one of my favorite topics. And I, I love DRS and I love emotion and uh, I love to do stuff about resource management. So yeah, for me it's exciting to see what, what actually is produced in 6.0 because at the time when I was working at, v at VMware, there was a lot of things already in good shape to be released for 5.5. They just didn't go through with it because there were some other challenges in that whole release, right? Uh, without going into uh, into much detail, um, so yeah, it's for, for me it's exciting to talk about. And I think a lot actually still like to see us describing the new features of six right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Do Do you think there is scope to to do deep dive in some of the other features? Sort of, you know, they've they've announced that they they've reworked fault tolerance, for example. Now, uh, people are trying to sort of understand. How uh, fault tolerance really works underneath the uh, the covers. Um, you know, I can't think of, of better people to, to write that kind of content. Yeah. So well, well so what Duncan and, and Cormac did with VSAN, right? Excellent stuff. Um, I think there are there are other people at VMware who can step up to the plate and talk about that stuff. Think about what happens with NSX, right? Why is there not an NSX deep dive book? Or I think there should be. NSX deep dive book. Yeah, but but to be honest, if there is to be an NSX deep dive book, people should be able to run NSX. Well, yeah, uh, there's a chicken uh, yeah, problem, right? <clears throat> well, I, I, most of us aren't able to get hold of NSX in any way, shape, or form, so reading a book on it wouldn't really be that helpful. Well, it would as an introduction, but then again, without actually being able to correlate it to some experience in your lab, what use is it? So, but that, that's more of a gripe with the NSX non-availability more than anything else, though. But yeah, but I, I assume that's going to change, right? So, when I assume that VMware is going to at one point release it or make it more available for people who like to work with it or like to test it or whatever, right? So, from that point on, a deep dive book would be very helpful, I believe. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Starting one now and having it ready whenever yeah. the bits are available for you mere mortals, that would be useful. Yeah. So yeah, sure. But but 
then again, you 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 and Duncan could probably set up shop doing uh, deep dive series and having other uh, people write the, the the specific deep dives for you under the same umbrella. Yeah. yeah, so like uh, we're going to license the the the, the, the name, right? That's yeah. good. Idea. Thank you, Christian. Yeah, why not? <laughs> why not? You you have everything set up anyway with the self publishing stuff and anything, and you you could just sit around like puppet masters pulling our the rest of our strings. Well, and we we can use your marketing uh, name as a, a as an umbrella for deep dives. Let let me put it in a different uh, perspective. Uh, although I think that's uh, that's a very uh, that's doable. I would somebody else in the community step up to the plate and create their own name and 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 and, and basically get it done so they get the recognition they are getting a boost in their career all that stuff right and i'm more than hell happy to to uh, to help them in any way possible because it's all about community anyways right and there are a lot of brilliant people in the community um some of them they don't even know they're brilliant um they just need to figure out that hey they have a lot of things to offer for the community right and um that's far more valuable uh, then for me to be a puppet master. Yeah, sure. That was a joke anyway. But it's, it's, it, it was just a point that you could use your stuff as a starting point for doing yeah. something similar without, without having to have you guys run it at all. But it's, it's quite doable for someone else to do something along the same lines. Yeah. I think so. It's yeah. deep, deep dive publishing. Like that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's like places, deep dive means they actually show just you know I've seen I've been to so many presentations and, and things where someone says yeah we're going to do a deep dive that means they click the advanced button in the wizard yeah the <laughs> <laughs> the evaluation the evaluation of the word deep dive right yeah. it's the yeah. same thing that everything now today is a hack no no it's a tip it's not a hack it's just basically explaining how common things work. That has nothing to do with hacking some stuff. Yeah, it's a handy hint. <laughs> yeah, it's a handy hint, yeah. Don't call it a hack. So, uh, I, yeah, I, I published a, a, a post on how to get Ubuntu 14.04 running in VMware Studio 2.6, which doesn't support it at all. That's a hack. Yeah. In every sense of the word, that's a hack. It's not supposed to work. <laughs> But it does. Yeah, if, you, if you have to start, you know, going into someone else's pre-written config file, that's probably that is a bit of a hack. Yeah. Uh, because you're you're moving definitely to to unsupported. Oh yeah. Uh, way way over yeah. unsupported in that case. <laughs> yeah. If you're just clicking the advanced button, that's not a hack. No. No. But that's also, true. deep dive could be like something you don't really need to do, or nothing that can help you further. Uh, not like the deep dive book itself, the deep dive series itself tells you interesting information, but like doing a bunch of unsupported stuff. I mean, how does that help you in your daily job normally? Hmm. Yeah, this is true. Apart, apart from, that's the whole, I suppose, you know, you've got the aspect of climbing a mountain. Um, you know, why would you do it? Well, because it's there. Um, like that guy that decided to put doom onto a printer. Um, it's probably you know not yeah, very how, how, unlikely to be the world's next game console. Um, how how to catch Ebola from your dog? <laughs> <laughs> I knew that uh, Ebola dog reference. Was <laughs> but it was a natural winner, really, wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> 
there's a hack I don't want to see. But then again, <laughs> it's... <laughs> yeah, but so in reality, I think we need to, as a community, we need to share just more, right? There's a lot of content that is actually hidden. And maybe a hack is not something truly helpful for a daily job, but it does give insight on usually how stuff works, right? Yeah. Which can translate into a different service, a different product, a different application of the knowledge itself. And maybe that's a good thing. That's true. But, but I, I wanted to ask you one thing, Frank, uh, which is basically something completely different. Uh, okay. But you used to work for VMware, and now yes. you work for Pernix Data. Mm-hmm. How, how different are those two companies? Huh. Well, there's a lot of VMware vibe inside Pernix Data, and that's because we have a lot of ex-VMware employees, of course. Yeah. And both our vendor, uh, our, our, our um, um, founders, sorry, yeah, uh, are um, ex-VMware as well. Mm-hmm. Um, we have a lot of other um, employees from other companies, of course, but there's a majority of VMware. So I see a lot of um, overlap in that. Um, but it's a night and day different when it comes to getting things done. Simple, because we have 110 employees, and the moment I left VMware, it had 17,000 employees, uh, meaning there's a lot of processes, there's a lot of uh, red tape involved in a lot of things. Um, so, yeah, that's, that's the difference from that perspective. Um, there's no politics, or, well, yeah, there's no politics in in, um, in Pernix. I did see a lot of politics involved um, in uh, VMware and that's normal because you have a lot of business units you have a lot of things there's a lot of targets to, uh, that needs to be uh, needs to be uh, uh, well attained right so yeah I guess you've also got people pulling in different directions within the company depending on what product group but yeah. when you've got one product everyone is absolutely in that same direction yeah and um I think that also helped is, um, well, within a startup, everybody has their, their, their mission and, and the excitement ready and uh, are, are, are dying to get things done. Uh, I didn't see that in every employee at VMware, right? Um, there are brilliant guys at VMware. There are guys who work their heart off. They are absolutely, they are, when you, it doesn't matter when you email them, you will get a reply within five minutes, right? Um, but there were also a lot of people who um, I felt, well, that's part of a big company, right? You cannot have 17,000 geniuses uh, walking around, right? Without bashing anybody. It's, yeah, there's always... Yeah, it comes with the territory of yeah. being a big company, you know. Yeah. It's, that's how it works. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, you, 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 uh, it's, sometimes it's very difficult to get your point across when you see an idea and somebody else, you need to convince them day by day by day. At one point, you just give up, right? Whereas in a startup, it's really easy because everybody, um, everybody is, is thinking about the same thing. Everybody's excited about the same thing. And that's, 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 I think this is the, the, the critical thing. You are working on one product with all the people. Right? And with a company such as VMware, 
you have a tremendous amount of various products, right? Different business units, everything is, is, is completely different. So there are the different priorities in play. And I think that's the true difference. Cool. Yeah. I mean, one, one of the things that um, intrigues me about, um, about Planix, and it was actually um, in the news the, the other day uh, in the UK about a different company, um, the Virgin Group, where they have a policy of, of unlimited holiday. There is a, they don't record time, time off work. Mm-hmm. Um, and I believe that's, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but that's something that uh, Planix offers. Yeah, it's one of the, the sort of policies. Um, now, an insider at, uh, at the Virgin said, actually, it, it probably means people take less holidays because they're actually afraid to go on holiday because they, you know, quite a big company, but there is a bit of a culture of actually, if you go on holiday and something goes wrong, well, that's kind of your fault. Um, but does it is it more just sort of the startup thing that people okay, if they need to take holiday, they take it. But do you think people take less holiday as a result or more? I don't know. Um, good. Good. Um, I've never. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, I think the comp- so as a startup, Burnix um, Data is when you look at the average age of Burn- uh, in Burnix Data, it's a very old company, right? Yeah. Uh, most of the most of us are mid thirties, begin forties, and the average startup in in the valley in Silicon Valley is. <laughs> Uh, mid twenties. Okay. So I think um, we are. Most of the the employees are in a different stage of their life. Most of them, most of us, have kids um, in an early age, ranging from zero to five. Some of them have a little bit older, but that's basic. That's the region where we're talking about. So you see a lot of emails going back and forth, like. Hey, I'm working from home. Um, I'm leaving the, the day early because I need to do this. I need to do that. So what you see is that people do take time off to take care of their family, take care of uh, other things that um, is a part of their lives. But overall, um, people, yeah, work hard. But well, we have a lot of Indian employees, and um, they typically go to India. Uh, once a year and that means you don't go to India for one week right because uh, you have to visit family you have to visit friends um, so they usually take like four or five weeks to visit India so yeah they too they do take their time off but I don't think we are a the average startup when it when you compare it to different startups at Silicon Valley yeah it certainly doesn't sound like your average kind of kind of startup no, <laughs> no, um, yeah, and I, I, I truly love working for Burnix. It's a, it's an amazing company. There's a, an amazing amount of billion people who have earned their track records at different company. A lot of good guys coming from VMware, like guys coming from NetApp, Google. Well, name 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 a name a company. We have guys from there, Oracle as well, right? Pujan came from Oracle. Balakai came from Oracle. Pujan is the CEO, Bala is the uh, uh, head of products. So, uh, yeah, it's an exciting time, let me put it that way. <laughs> yeah, well, especially with the new 2.0 re- release as well, I guess you're... It's not going to 
you're not going to be able to take the holiday as you started with in, in any time soon. And I'm, and I'm guessing VMworld is a big thing for you guys as well uh, with a new release out and, and, and demoing it and, and, and going through everything with everyone and, and their grandmother, basically, who wants to ask about it. So Yeah. Yeah, well, well, we, we love the attention, of course, right? And um, I think our b- biggest competitor is just basically status quo and uh, people being unaware of our product. And I'm trying, I'm doing my best to, to change that, of course, as the evangelist. But we need guys, the Pernix Pros, guys like, guys like you to, to help spread the word mm. uh, that there is a paradigm shift in the, in the data center called Pernix Data. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's, uh, it's interesting. Everyone I, I talk to about it is pretty, pretty much. Uh, excited about it once they actually understand the concept and what are you, you guys are actually doing. So, but but one thing in, instead of talking products, which we can see a, a lot of blog posts about, we can see all the feature sets. We can do that every everywhere we turn around. But one of the things that kind of amazes me with Pernix Data as a company is that I've never seen anyone from Pernix Data go negative at any point uh, with regards to other competitors or partners or whatever. I've never seen any kind of negative spin on anything. It's it's basically uh, uh, tackling stuff head-on, answering it properly, and, and, and not resulting uh, with with a result where, where the result actually isn't a lot of BAS, which kind of amazes me a bit because you're... You're a startup, yeah, fine, but you're also a, a, a relatively small small company that needs to kind of hit from the ground and up, and you still manage to do that without being, um, well, without be spraying bullshit all around. To be honest, mm-hmm. well, I, I think that's a big compliment. So, so thank you. And yeah, I think that's one of the the, the key um, elements in our company, right? We truly believe in our product and we will try everybody, I will try to tell everybody about our product, but if somebody uh, decides to do it differently, then they do it differently, right? And in some cases, sometimes it makes sense to do it differently, right? doesn't mean that we don't fit in that particular situation, but there are some other um, elements involved in every story. Right, your toolbox is not filled with hammers alone, right? Um, but sometimes some some people use a screwdriver for a hammer, and although we can say maybe you can use it differently, maybe you can use a hammer, they are comfortable with using a screwdriver as a hammer. Um, <laughs> a little bit of a strange uh, strange story, but in reality. Um, if people don't see the value of, uh, or if it doesn't fit their model, their operational model, or whatever, uh, yeah, why are we there to try to to completely, um, uh, well, change their minds, right? And talking talking bad about competitors, nobody ever got anything out of that one, right? That's. I don't think so, but people still keep trying, so I don't know. Maybe not. I don't think everyone got that memo, to be honest. But <laughs> I don't see. I don't see anything. Look, 
we believe that if you're interested, try it, right? We're not there to, to, um, uh, to just have fun with the discussion. Um, if you don't want to try us, then you don't want to try us. But we don't have to tell them tell the, uh, that, we're might, that we're better than a, than a competitor. Test it. Use, test it on the competitor's stuff. Test it on our stuff. See how it fits your operational model. See how it fits your architecture. See how it fits your strategy, right? All those things. Uh, but you have to, the, the user or the, the potential customer has to do some work on their own. They have to uh, be open for it and they have to test it. Yep. Makes a lot of sense. At least it makes a lot of sense to me because I, I kind of think in the same manner. I don't see the need to do anything besides using your actual, actual offering as the kind of selling point instead of trying to tell everyone how bad everyone else is. That doesn't make yeah. any sense. And another thing is, would you believe me if I say that some, some vendor is, uh, some competitor is shit? It tends to drive me away from a product. Yeah, exactly. I think that's the biggest key. It makes yourself and your own product uh, less desirable. Yeah, even if you put it in a hazmat suit, it doesn't help. <laughs> well, well, sometimes you can still pet the dog. Right? <laughs> yeah, it's just not the way to, to get Ebola. <laughs> no, <laughs> not that way. Yeah. So uh, I guess with that in mind, let's wrap up VSoup 51. Thanks a lot, Frank Denneman, for being on. Well, thanks for having me, guys. It was a pleasure. Yeah. Thanks, Frank. Thanks, and uh, as usual, you can catch us on Stitcher, iTunes, or vsoup.net.